Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Gary Thompson. Here with me is Brian Gottlieb, and I think we're going to be the Magic Online Deckless Podcast for this one episode at least. I'm down with that. I think the people will be down with that when we tell them why, because this wasn't really like what we planned to do coming into this week. I think Modern's in a strange place in that you can't really play it live right now, but the format's very, very, very good. Like if maybe that's why maybe the fact that it isn't being given much attention is why it's doing such a good job but still when you review the results from these leagues it just seems more diverse than it's been in a very very long time and it's picked up a lot of really interesting new cards and once we get through this deck dump i think people will understand why we wanted to come back to this yeah i definitely agree but you definitely make a good point also where if there was a lot of scrutiny on this format then maybe things would be different but hey we're not there yet before we get into that do you want to mention that we did a little coverage for the Red Bull Untapped World Finals last weekend, and that was a lot of fun. I must say that it, it took a lot out of me. I was exhausted, and this week did not make things any easier, so it was nice to be doing a more relaxing episode this week, I guess, where we're just talking about specific decks in front of us. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I want to... Again, shout out like everyone who helped put on the event and certainly everyone uh, who showed up and hung out with us and made it as enjoyable as it was. Yeah, they did a really great job as they start putting together this tournament series now, which I've done a couple times. They they really are invested in the success of Magic and it's cool to see them coming into the community and just putting on this awesome event, paying out a lot of money. And I think they are filling a need right now. There just isn't the type of OP, uh, although Star City coming back as well. Happy to see that. But there was yep. a bit of a downtime in the OP offerings. CFB was taking some time off. Star City was taking some time off. So it was really nice of Red Bull to step in uh, and fill the gap. But they put on a great event. The metagame continues to move forward. More Gruel was the story. But eh, we'll save that for next week. Let's see what happens this week and then we can get back into dealing with Gruel. Yeah, a lot of Gruel on Magic Online too. So... Yeah, it's the best deck. I don't think it's the best deck like other best decks have been the best deck, but it's clearly tier one, and I think it is not going away, and people didn't do enough to account for it. That's the short story of Gruul. Yeah, all right, on to Modern. We're going to skip over some of these decks, and just because they are uh, mostly known quantities at this point, I do want to spend more time on the things that are actually interesting rather than like, oh, this... Red Black Shadow deck has a boil in the sideboard or whatever. But uh, first up, Polish Dynamite with Red Black Shadow with a boil in the sideboard. Bowman Courier, though, that's that's been a thing that's been catching on a little bit. And I always thought that that card was modern playable. Me too. The games it swings, it swings really hard. I think it's like high variance, certainly. Sometimes it's blank cardboard, but in spots it takes over a game just as hard in modern as it does in any format. So not super surprised to see that here and... Like you said, this has just become a fixture of the metagame, certainly among the tier one of modern. Next up is uh, fake news with uh, Omnath, Primeval Titan, Valakut, Field of the Dead. So depending on how you look at it, a version of this might be the best deck in modern. You normally see the blue base versions with like Uro, Cryptic Command, Mystic Sanctuary, etc. I've played some with those lists and... Honestly, like I, I just haven't really liked the blue cards. And I mean, Omnath is slightly different. I mean, I, I think you can play that and just be fine. But like 
trying to lean on cryptic command and our promise like in the same deck doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I like this streamlined version. It's one of those questions where like, just because you can sort of make the mana work, did you stop and consider whether you should? Things get very complicated when you're trying to mix cryptic command and Omnath and all of the different considerations. So this is certainly much more linear. And when I've done Field of the Dead stuff in modern, I've appreciated that. Like, I just want to go down this path, let Field of the Dead carry itself and make it a metagame call. Make it something that lines up well against the format where Field of the Dead does overwhelm them. Because if you're trying to hedge towards like combo matchups, like if there's a bunch of ad nauseum around for some strange reason, you're like, oh, that's what I have to account for. You're not going to be successful anyway. You just delete your deck to a point where you're not beating anyone anymore. So instead, let the metagame dictate when you're supposed to be doing this type of approach and do it really linearly. And now the card power is just off the charts in this deck. Like Renin 6, Omnath, Primeval Titan, absolutely bonkers cards that are just pushing this archetype to a different plane, I would say, a different level of consistency and just overwhelming explosions on the battlefield. And I guess we've certainly lived through that with Omnat, although briefly in standard, but we're going to be doing it in modern for a long time, I think. Yeah. And I mean, this deck specifically, Utopia Sprawl, Arboreal Grazer, feeding into Dryad of the Elysian Grove. You have Renin 6 to keep Dryad active and, you know, keep Omnath active too. And there's just no real interaction, you know? It is very much just them building towards their end game, and that's it. Yeah, I'm obviously Path to Exile. Like, you have spot removal, but you don't need to focus on stopping your opponent from doing what they're doing. You just want a little road bump, and then your plan is going to be more powerful than legitimately anything they can do. Right. Uh, next deck is by Mean Fanny Pack, White Black Eldrazi, which... It's kind of interesting. We didn't really think about uh, Skyclave Apparition Wasteland Strangler like in that context. And now I'm actually kind of interested in this deck. Huh. Well, you're certainly fueling your Wasteland Stranglers pretty well. I, I guess I've just never appreciated that card for power level in modern. It hasn't been, my concern <laughs> hasn't been getting things exiled. It's been, why do I want this card anyway? And this That's particular fair. version, 80 cards. Your your card quality when you're playing 80 cards and black-white Eldrazi. Like when you're playing 60, I'm already skeptical because you have a lot of clunkers for the modern format. When you push to 80, it doesn't really feel all that different. You're still seeing a lot of the same things here, uh, just more four of us. But I, I do think you're losing like your absolute best draws, such as the Eldrazi draws. Those just aren't going to happen as often. And it seems to me most of the games I ever won with archetypes like this were based on very early thought Nazi-ers. And getting fewer of those is not exactly where I want to be with this archetype. Although, like you mentioned, cute interaction there between Apparition and Wasteland Strangler. Well, going up to 80 for Urian makes sense. I mean, you already have, like, Displacer, Charming Prince, Flicker Wisp. Like, once you get Urian, you just kind of go off, right? Like, you're just never going to lose. Yeah, but, like, aren't you there before you get... Like, do you need Urian to kick it into that high gear? Like, if you have a Displacer and a Flicker Wisp and all these things that you're trying to get value from, it's not like your deck is loaded with... I don't know. There, there's not a ton of comes into play abilities short of Wasteland Strangler. Tide Hollow Sculler doesn't really work, right? You give that back unless you ate the card with Wasteland Strangler. So that's fine. I, I see what we're trying to set up there. Uh, Thought Nazier's... Eh, mixed bag they get a fresh card but you get another yeah. look at their hand so I, I don't think the blinks here are completely broken they're not over the moon but it's something it's interesting 
I don't know, like apparition plus displacer is pretty appealing. There's certainly some decks that'll just never beat that. So what, what's selling me on this archetype though? I've, I've seen this for literal years now. I've seen people playing this deck and never at any point have I been like, yeah, this is the deck to play. No, of course not. Uh, <laughs> there, there was a, a pro tour where white Eldrazi with like a light blue splash, I think was a consideration, but humans was just a better version of that deck. And right. That was when humans re- was relatively new. And yep. then I, I ended up playing Mardu Pyromancer. So I guess that worked out. But like there was a brief moment where I was like, oh, maybe maybe this Restoration Angel Thought Not Seer deck is good. You know, it was close. Yeah, I want that to be true. But I, like you said, I, I do think this is a hallmark of a pre-humans era. And it's very hard for any tribe to do the humans thing as well as humans does. Now, like there's a reason for mono white death and taxes to exist, I think. Um, when you're very focused on the disruptive Leon and Arbiter stuff, but getting bigger like this, I'm over it. Not really for me. Cool. Terrisk, another white black Aether Vile deck. This one is zombies. Yeah, good old tribal zombies with Lord of the Undead, modern all star Lord of the Undead. Plague Belcher, Splashing White for Tide Hollow Sculler, Wayward Servant. Even got like a nameless inversion in here. I'm not sure what this is good against. I'm also not sure why it's only playing two Crypt Breakers. It kind of offends me, but. Uh, I do like the card Undead Augur, just in general. Yeah, that's a Modern Horizons card. Didn't really see a whole bunch of play. Certainly overshadowed by the other stuff in Modern Horizons. But when we saw it, we thought it could catapult zombies to at least fringe playable. And I guess that's where we are. Here's a 5-0 for zombies. For every single tribal creature deck in Modern, your check always has to be like, what does this do better than humans? And I think after you do that, you go, what does this do better than spirits? because those are two decks that have very similar approaches to the game, but different things they can prey on. And they kind of cover a very widespread of the format. When it comes to the zombies deck, what are you getting? Like a little resiliency? A yeah, little I th- I think it's clock? I think it's supposed to be staying power, but it's, it's I don't, I don't think dubious. Yeah, it's dubious as to whether or not that matters at the moment. Yeah. But you could see a world where, you know, a heavy... Azorius control metagame where this becomes the correct call. Maybe. Sure. Uh, next deck is from Tortilla the Hun, Rakdos, Pile of Stuff, Dark Confidant, Season Pyromancer, Lightning Skelemental, a couple Croxes, and Scourge of the Skyclaves for good measure. Scourge, a little bit awkward in these more mid-rangey decks. You don't have like the Monastery Swiss Spears on turn one to actually get in that damage. You're really, really relying on your opponent fetching, but I like these decks. I just, I don't know what you're supposed to do with them. There's just so many playable cards and also none of your cards, you know, is, are people losing to lightning skeletal plus unearth? That wasn't my experience when I played it. Uh, no, they are not. And <laughs> I'm already sounding like a broken record. Again, every deck in modern has to justify itself for some reason. So what is this doing to justify itself over something like the more linear red, black, Skyclave stuff. And I think, honestly, this is just a hallmark hallmark of a format that isn't being widely played and widely optimized right now. You can get away with stuff like this. It's just not as good as other stuff you can do, though. So if you want to go have fun with Lightning Scale Elemental, have at it. This isn't taking over the format at it, though. It is allowed. You are allowed to have fun. And I mean, that's honestly, that's kind of the point of like us doing this deck dump, too, is like 
these decks are all pretty sweet. Yeah. And, you know, this isn't as far on the sweet spectrum as some of the other stuff we're going to cover, but the idea of unearthing lightning scale elemental has appealed to all of us. And if you say it doesn't appeal to you, you're lying. Everyone wants to do that. It's just when you actually accomplish it, you're like, uh, maybe that didn't quite live up to the hype. Or you're like, oh, I did it. And then I lost. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Right. Max Magicker, uh, 80 card, Urian Scapeshift. For a point, this deck was very, very good. Obviously lost Arkham's Astrolabe, still playing Abundant Growth, Ice Fang, Kawaddle to Blink. I mean, I think Scapeshift as a card, a plan, a strategy is still quite good. Not sure if you really want Urian anymore, though. It doesn't really seem worth it to me. Well, 80 cards opens up a lot in deck building. I mean, this is one of the, when we were doing the exploratory process around Urian and talking about, is it a modern playable card, which seems laughable now because we're talking about the fully powered version of Urian. But a lot of the discussion was like, well, what decks can legitimately benefit from seeing 80 cards? And one thing we talked a bunch about was like Mystic Sanctuary decks, which this is one of, but also just Scapeshift decks, fitting in all those extra lands to your deck. Now, as we've sussed out through standard, sometimes the juice isn't worth the squeeze and you end up with just something that's a little clunky. And although you can, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Here, I'm still on board with Urian in Scapeshift. I think this is one of the few spots where I am still comfortable doing Urian stuff. I think for the most part, it's been outmoded in other places, but there is a tangible benefit to going down this road. And if the format is vulnerable to slower combo, more consistent combo, I do still like this deck quite a bit. Yeah, my, my point is that you can do all of this stuff and just be 60 cards and still be fine. It's like you have the triomes, and I, I don't think it really matters, you know, that you're drawing a bunch of shock lands or whatever. I don't think it really matters that you get to fit in like a couple extra mountains in your mana base. And I don't think Urian blinking abundant growth is like a thing that you should be striving to accomplish, you know, like I would much rather like if combo control were good, I would rather just trim it down to 60 and play it as is. Yeah. So let's talk about the blinks here, right? We're looking at abundant growth, ice fang, coatle, snapcaster mage, arboreal grazer, Uro, kind of, sort of, hopefully not uh red and six kind of, sort of not a huge deal. So that's not much. It's pretty thin. So I guess the question is, what does the deck unlock by getting those blinks? And I would say if you were struggling with like some type of resource denial, and we do know Red Black Shadow, one of the more popular decks, if you just need some space against them, some way to produce redundant cards and up your card count, then you can start talking me into Urian making sense. The problem is when those decks get more aggressive, I think you're more vulnerable to them in those scenarios. Correct. So it really has to be a certain flavor of the Skyclave decks. And then I can see a shift to this deck. Bullwinkle 6705. This is this is something else. This is Omnath, Stoneforge Mystic, Felidar Sahili, Teferi, Time Raveler, Renin 6, Urian Abundant Growth, Oath of Nyssa. This is just <laughs> all of the ghosts of Standard Past. This is an interesting one, and one of the reasons I was pretty excited to talk about these decks, because they have seemingly efficiently jammed all these decks together. Like, this this looks solid to me, actually. It doesn't look bad. I mean, it's just like a bunch of powerful rares and, and mythic rares, uh, a lot of decent acceleration, a lot of built-in card advantage. It's certainly like fractured game plans, right? But 
I don't know. All your cards are good. We've we've seen things like that be successful in the past, so why not? Yeah, and they sort of come together in this weird way. Like the one outlier to me is really Red and Six. That's the card that I don't feel has exactly what I'm looking for in this archetype. But once that combines with Omnath, sure, you you keep the train going. You always have two land drops in a turn, and that's important. And everything else, it sort of works. Like blinking stuff with Felidar Guardian to power up an Omnath is totally fine. Stoneforge Mystic Rebuys, there's two Batter Skulls, I think, for that purpose. But blinking Batter Skull also works, so that's cool. And then if everything is about mid-range arms races... Slotting in a combo to those type of decks can be a really big deal. And it, it means your opponent can't just play like sorcery speed. If you're just up against sorcery speed Omnath decks, like the first deck we looked at, if they are getting more linear and just trying to do feel of the dead type stuff, then I love this approach because they're just going to be caught with their pants down a lot of the time. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to, trying to still even like parse this list and think about like how the games play out. And I don't know. This is one of those decks where... You know, like turn three, turn four, turn five, you're just going to have so many different options and it's just like, what's right? Who knows? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think they do a good job in particular of keeping their mana curve tight. They do a nice job playing appropriate filtering and abundant growth, Oath of Nyssa, Utopia Sprawl, maxing on each of those. Really cool. Respect to what you're trying to actually accomplish. And I think you're going to get the job done a lot of times and you're going to have a fair number of turn two planeswalkers, which is nice. You're going to have a fair number of just like turn two Uro ramp into big plays on the next turn. And I think this deck will snowball really hard in a lot of situations. And again, another deck where I do like Urian quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Urian makes a lot of sense here, especially because a lot of the cards are pretty redundant here. You know, if, if you trade out like Omnath for a Teferi in a game or a Stoneforge for an Uro, it really doesn't matter. You know, like all, all your cards are trying to do is accrue value and eventually bury your opponent. Right. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Steppelhoff. Green, white, Heliod, Spike Feeder, Conclave Mentor, Arbor Elf, Utopia Sprawl thrown in there for value. Okay. Uh, that's my opinion too. Okay. <laughs> it it looks right. fine. I mean, this this deck looks fine. It, hasn't fundamentally changed. I guess adding Skyclave Apparition as a means of controlling the battlefield is good. And Conclave Mentor is a pickup that allows combos to be cleaner, uh, much easier to achieve. So like that. But why is this better now than it was in the past? I, I guess it's a far more consistent looking build. But Collected Company has underwhelmed in modern for me. And it's not just because my Collected Companies are just look at the top six cards and go ahead and shuffle. It's just a a deck that hasn't really felt up to speed with the really powerful stuff that has gone on in the last few months. Like it has not kept pace with Uro well, I would say. Well, it's also just awkward when a lot of your cards are combo pieces, right? So you have like Spike Feeders and Oriok Champions. And I would much rather see a, a version of this deck that is focused on like tutors rather than collected company. Yeah, but we've done that before too. And that also, like I've, I've done the Eladomaris Call version of the green-white deck. And, and in fact, post-Modern Horizons, it was a deck I was super excited about. And it just doesn't keep pace. Modern's a really powerful format. And I'm you not, have to respect I'm not all saying that, going on. I'm not saying that version is good. I'm just saying it might be better than this version. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. So next deck is from Curtis Axel, also collected company, green-white stuff. 
has Devoted Druid combo spliced in, also two copies of Finale of Devastation to get a little bit of extra consistency, which I don't mind. It's a little tutoring for you, giving up on Utopia Sprawl and just playing more creatures. I have nothing to say. How many combos can you fit in green-white decks? At some point, it's just going to be a pile of all different combo pieces. Yeah. That's what green-white's identity will be in modern. Uh, next deck is MCHOQ. I don't I don't know what that is. MC Hawk. MC Hawk. I, I looked at it like M Choke. I don't know. This deck is cool though. Uh Red Green Valicate, Chalice of the Void, Simeon Spirit Guide, Through the Breach, Turn Timber Symbiosis, and you know, has has like Worm Coil Engine, a couple Fierce Empaths, a couple Emrakuls, so not really trying to like Primeval Titan and Scape Shift, but just big thing. Put big thing into play. Love it. And this is what I expected Turn Timber Symbiosis to be doing in Modern and oh, starting this, to. This is like not actually a Valakut deck either. It's just Field of the Dead. Yeah, Field of the Dead is the end game for the lands. And that's fine. I, I don't think you need to go as far as Valakut anymore. I'm completely fine. Especially when you have the other blowouts of just like, here's my Worm Coil Engine, which a lot of decks can't beat. Or here's my Emrakul, which almost all decks can't beat. So there's there's plenty of other ways to play the game where you're not reliant on getting to that end state. And Field of the Dead is just supposed to like bridge all these plans together. And I think it does a really good job of doing so and keeps your mana base really open to expressiveness. Is that the word I'm looking for? But you can do stupid stuff like have a Blast Zone and have Bajuka Bog and get paid on those cards in occasional games. So I, I like the way this is set up. I mean, Turn Timber Symbiosis is another one too where you... It's it's you can do it in the Valakid deck. It's just it's harder, right? Yeah, you certainly can. I, I have a feeling you can just tighten up the package though and do exactly what we're doing here. And through the breach has been an important part of modern's history. It ebbs and flows in its playability, but when you nail it on a weekend with through the breach, you are often rewarded with some very easy tournaments. And I've had a few of those in my time. And kind of feels like we're getting to that moment right now, just not in terms of the metagame so much, but more about the redundancy you can now build into these decks. Yeah, I mean, think about the uh, like Stoneforge Mystic Uro Pile, right? It's like that that deck is, or things like it are getting fairly popular, right? And they just don't have a good answer to Through the Breach, and that's exactly the type of deck that you want to be able to prey on. No, I agree with you. Wei Sheng Hisabi? Hisabi? I don't know. Wei Sheng Ji. Oh, yeah. It's Shabby. dude, it's it's tough when there are no spaces. It is very tough. That is my best guess, and I'm I'm not very confident in it. So Yeah, I don't think we got all the way there, but you definitely got like the third piece of the puzzle. Anyway, uh, apologies. Sultai control, Uro Jace, Cryptic Command, and some one ofs. You sound not know. enthused about this no. deck whatsoever. No, uh, 28 land is a lot. I like that when you're doing four Uros. Field of the Dead at the top end, Mystic Sanctuary stuff. I mean, this, this looks like a good way to build this sort of thing, if that's what you're interested in. Yeah. <laughs> I love the pictures of the mana base you can get with this deck, where like you're holding an Archmage's Charm and your hand is Field of the Dead, Basic Swamp other nonsense land and you're like what have i done with my life to get to this point there are some clunkers in this it's not as bad as i'm making it sound honestly the mana mostly works but i I just think there's better ways to do this type of stuff you don't have to split your game plans as hard if you want to be the euro deck be the euro deck commit to that and if 
you're going to try and take a more controlling route. Sultai has not impressed me thus far. Salva, 1994, four Aether Vile, three Spreading Seas, 27 Merfolk. I think you've said all you have to say about this deck. Uh, it's got a lot of Merfolk in it. Uh, four Benthic Biomancer, is that stock at this point in Merfolk? Are you up to date on your Merfolk deck? Uh, I think it's mostly stock. I mean, they, they didn't have a great one drop, right? Yeah, they were playing things like Kosi's Trickster sometimes or whatever other nonsense they could find. This is still not great. You can play Curse Catcher. Why don't we play Curse Catcher anymore? Is it that blank? Because it, it doesn't do anything, man. Yeah, but neither does Benthic Biomancer if you want to be Dude. real specific about it. so No, Biomancer's good. Oh, uh, come on. None of this is good. I Whatever. Merfolk people aren't listening at this point. They don't care if we think their deck is good. They're going to keep playing it anyway. So do your thing, Merfolk people. Enjoy. Respect the cat. Agreed. Uh, 80 card, Azorius, uh, Aether Vile, Stoneforge Mystic, Urian, but this one has four copies of Confounding Conundrum to, I guess, be like the secondary Leonin Arbiter. Okay. I mean, that sort of works, right? I mean, it's another thing to blink to. You're talking about the white-black deck not having, like, effective okay. Urian targets, you know? Okay. That's that's sort of one of them. Uh, here's what I'll say. The games with these style of decks that you play with Leonin Arbiter and Ghost Quarter feel very different from the games you don't play in that fashion. And this person has found a way to cheat more of those games into the mix. Now... You're playing 80 cards, so like uh, you come out ahead in that deal, certainly four versus 60, eight compared to 80. You have a higher percentage of hits that are going to do their thing. Confounding Conundrum, not what I would term an impressive magic card. If you played against it while it was in standard, you know it often helps you. The calculus is a little different when it comes to modern, I think. So it does seem like it can be a card more often here, but... This is still doing the same stuff that I dragged the other deck for and still a lot of underpowered stuff. And in general, I would keep a tight 60 card white package as opposed to this 80 card package. But I get the thinking and it does make some sense to me. I don't know. Spell Queller, Glass Pool Mimic, like these things are cool. Confounding Conundrum maybe good against Fetchlands, but I don't know. Realistically, probably not. These decks just have so much historical malaise from me that they have to overcome before I respect them because these decks have existed forever and they've never been good. They have a moment. They have a second where they can succeed. And if you nail that second, you do very well. But it's such a tiny, tiny window to force through a deck like this that for the most part, I'm just like, eh, I'm not going to try and find that window and then have a 40% deck in my hands 90% of the time. Stoneforge Mystic from all the Skyclaves. Boom. Cool. Relevant. Gideon Raven Sword, Green White, Counter Stuff, Eladom Rescall, plus Collected Company. There's your better version. You got it. Nah, I don't know. This one has Devoted Druid, which I like much less, but whatever. I will say that my biggest frustration with the Devoted Druid decks that I played a lot of is that you don't realistically have a secondary game plan. Like you think you'll beat down occasionally, and you just never do. At least the Conclave stuff alleviated a tiny bit of that. Like you occasionally get to attack, which feels good. You get them to like five instead of the devoted druid decks that got right. them to like 10. Yeah, exactly. And then you're like, well, we got closer. Maybe yeah, next so, time. so close, so close. Castola 91 humans, 
literally nothing new. Uh, apparition in the board, I guess. That's kind of new. Yeah, I have nothing to say about this deck. How, okay, I'll put you in the spot. How is this deck positioned right now? Do you think it's tier one, tier two, somewhere? It's, it's still good. Lower down. It, it's like the th- third best deck, maybe fourth best deck. Okay, it's a respectable place to be. Yeah, I, I think it's it's quietly very good in modern. And part of the reason for that is that it it's not, you know, the the one with the targets on on its head. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if that changed and like people were playing like more supreme verdicts or whatever stuff like that, more decks with a ton of spot removal, then then things would change. But right now, people aren't. Uh, so you can actually go go wide pretty effectively. And this deck still does the same stuff that it did. It's very good at disrupting people and beating down. So I miss modern pro tours. I just had a moment where I was thinking about like the metagame congealing before a modern pro tour and that effect, and it's just missing right now. Like. I'm having a moment where I'm sad about the absence of paper magic. Let me have my moment. You go on to the next deck. Win. Uh, 1006. Is it Phoenix? Good God, what year is it? Uh, this <laughs> this deck has two Magmatic Channelers, two Aria Flames main deck, one Finale of Promise, which I assume is uh, one copy, too few. But... Yeah, Ops, Thought Scour, Lightning Bolt, Manamorphose. Let's do it. Let's go. Merchant of the Veil is not Faithless Looting. I'm, I'm sorry to report. It's not. And uh, this deck is not good. This is someone who wants to relive the glory days of Is It Phoenix? A simpler time when Modern was a healthy format and everyone didn't think it was and hated it. And you and I were fighting against bands trying to let people be like, no, just let the metagame play out. And then... Yeah. Uh, soon after that, it was torn asunder by Hogak, and the inexorable march of idiots Hogak has brought with him in his wake. So, where are the fiery tempers to go with these Merchant of the Veils and Magmatic Channelers? That's what I want to know. Nah, skip it. All right, cool. Magical Hack ninety nine. You can you can probably take over this amulet with Karn. Yep. Uh, this deck looks like it's peeled out of the past, which I'm mostly okay with. It's weird. Karn mostly proved to not be good enough, but it had spots where you could play it because it did a really good job of shutting down uh, important artifacts in the format. Things like Arkham's Astrolabe. It was really nice as a hedge there. So when I see Karn, the question I come to is, well, why? Why are we doing this? I don't get it. And I go to the sideboard and I, I don't really find any evidence that this is the correct thing to be doing. So not sure why we've chosen to go back in time here, but like Amulet's still fine. You can still do Amulet stuff. And I, I wish people, I wish the Amulet crew was out there working on the deck presently and experimenting with things like Turn Timber Symbiosis. So I know how good that card is. My instinct is it's like supposed to be there in some small numbers and you're pretty happy about it. Uh, and it might actually improve the deck to some degree, but it just doesn't feel like the archetype has moved forward much. And this in particular is a leap back in time. Okay, I think I think I got it. I think Karn being a threat that you can ancient stirrings for kind of makes sense. But that was always the you could always do that if you wanted to. Well, not all of them played stirrings, right? There was a point when stirrings started to become out of fashion, but. Yeah. Like that's why this goes back in time. Like when we were doing card yeah, stuff, yeah. we we had ancient stirrings for the most part. Right. 
But as far as it being a good threat that you can strings into, I disagree. So I'm off it. Okay. Igor Barbosa, mono red Eldrazi, serum powder, Simeon Spirit Guide, Chalice the Void. Look, Igor knows what they like. They are committed to one way of playing the game. They will mulligan to go get those Eldrazi temples. They don't care. And then they're going to ask you if you can beat the turn two Thought Not Seer. If you can, you have won the game. Congratulations. We'll move on to the next one. I guess you have the turn one Chalice as well. So uh, I don't know. I, I never have it in me to bring this type of deck to a tournament, but I don't hate this right now. A Chalice of the Void, I think, is quite good in the present format. So if you're a Chalice player, maybe this is how you get your fix. Yeah, I was mostly like pausing because I'm I'm looking through this list trying to figure out like why we're actually red. It's Eldrazi Obligator, two copies of Chandra, and some very medium sideboard cards. And I, I think it's the Simeon Spirit Guides more than anything else. But like they, you don't really need red mana in your deck just to play Simeon Spirit Guide. I no, understand why I, it pushes you in that direction, but no, I was I was mainly you know comparing this to like colorless Eldrazi, right? Because a, a lot of the same stuff is present, like Serum Powder, Eternal Scourge. Yeah. So. Obligator is is probably fine. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is worth a splash. I guess you get like Ramanap ruins too, but whatever. Blood Moon. Yeah, I'm not a Blood Moon fan, but whatever. Nobody actually is a Blood Moon fan. People just suffer through it. Uh, I am not going to read this next screen name. Okay. But, uh, this is a 60 card Indomitable Creativity polymorph deck that also has four copies of mass hysteria well go buy your mass hysterias now no run out cause nope. mass hysteria panic sprint to the store because this deck is dude the we, we don't we don't need any of that right now <laughs> you're saying there's enough there's, mass hysteria there's presently? there's plenty hysteria and we don't need people rushing to stores for anything mm, that's probably a good point okay hysteria has been canceled this deck is you're not going to convince me that this is actually good. So, I'd rather through the breach people, honestly. I agree with you. I do agree that Dwarven Mine is cool. I, it's not cool enough to make me want to put Polymorph in my deck, but it is cool. The last Paper Magic tournament we went to, we spent quite a bit of time Trying rummaging through boxes looking yeah. for a copy of Dwarven Mine for you to play in your deck. Dude, okay, so back back to that that red green deck that I just assumed was a Valakut deck that wasn't the through the breach one. That was the tournament where like Garen Brig had just gotten printed, and I was trying to turn three Primeval Titan people. Right, right. So I streamlined the deck as well I could, and then I was just like, oh, I'm just killing people with Feel of the Dead, not even Valakut, and that's when I switched over to like Simic. And to then see that that red green deck and it not have Valakid in it, I'm just like, oh yeah, I, I remember figuring that out like two years ago that you sure. just don't even need it. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that was that was the the dwarven mind thing. Thankfully, there are a lot of uh, common boxes for people to dump their trash into that you know people let us look through. Yeah, it took, but us, it took us a while. It took us a long like we looked through like three boxes and we found I think one copy in the end of that. So people were hoarding their dwarven mines already. They knew. Point. They knew that Polymorph was the nuts, man. I must have known. Okay. N3TO. I don't know if that's supposed to be Nito, but this is just Storm with some DFCs, Salon Division. Uh like a reasonable upgrade, but nothing huge. Yeah, I like Salon Division here. And I've played a bunch of Storm and like the deck quite a bit. And we just talked about how decks are kind of not respecting this method of gameplay. So good time to play Storm, maybe. 
Okay. I think I think it's your time to be up again. This is Azax, uh, 33 land, Selesnia, Field of the Dead deck with Primeval Titan, but not not Amulet. So this is they started with Aether Vial, right? And then they cut Aether Vial. Still playing Elvish Reclaimer, Elodomri's Call. This list has some weird stuff, but yeah, you you go ahead and tell me your thoughts on this. This is another way to just say, okay, everyone is playing to the battlefield. There's no spell-based combo in the format, so I am free to do the largest things possible, and people can't really interact with it. And eventually I'll hit my lands for Field of the Dead, and we can win that way. No rush. Take our time. So... I get the premise and I I think it checks out in a lot of instances. Again, you're rolling the matchup die. And the question is whether you want to give up on things like the explosiveness of Amulet Titan to have the consistency of a build like this and the additional ramp that this gets you access to with things like Flagstones of Troikar. So love to see that card being played. Always been a big fan. And I see a place in the metagame for this deck. But again, it feels like a metagame call. And maybe I would just rather do the thing that is always powerful and stands up against everything because that's always been the best approach in modern. Like just find a linear thing that doesn't rely on completely nailing the format and understanding exactly what decks people would play. You're supposed to make broad, sweeping generalizations about modern and then be like, well, 60% of the decks are not really interacting with the stack. So I will go ahead and play some kind of stack-based combo. This feels like it wants a more specific read where you're just like, okay, things are only interacting with me in this way and this way. They're not prepared for feel the dead appropriately. There isn't a lot of blood moon and things like that around. So I can go ahead and do this now. I don't know if I would sign up for a tournament with this deck. Eladomri's call for Kazandu Mammoth in your 33 land deck seems like nonsense. There seems like there should be more double face cards if you're playing 33 lands. Like, why do we have just one turn timber symbiosis? We really can't bear a couple more copies of that card. I don't know. Strange. Damgar, mono green Tron. Cool. Been a minute since I sleeved up some mono green Tron, and uh, it'll probably be a few more minutes until I do that again. Hey, Pharaoh, Jeskai, Cleansing, Wildfire, Flagstones of Trocare, Jeskai. Basically, uh, yeah, this looks pretty similar to what Aspiring Spike was streaming like for an infinitely long time. It seemed like Madcap Experiment in the sideboard, I guess. But I know you were working on this deck a little bit. Yeah, uh, last time I did a what we would play for Star City, I advocated for this deck, actually. And like how this is built the madcap experiment stuff is cool i don't know do i want a madcap right now i guess so i guess it lines up pretty well with the format and obviously that's a thing where as it becomes known about it gets worse and worse and you really hope to catch your opponents unaware i think people mostly expect that to be the sideboard plan at this point love that sideboard nexus of fate too just like yeah i'm just gonna take all the turns i'm not concerned about winning this game anymore uh also don't get milled right yeah, I mean, we're, we've been going through a lot of these decks that have like a Gaia's Blessing in the sideboard or a Nexus of Fate because Eight Crab was a thing for a while. Judging from this so far, I think it's mostly dropped off, but a lot of people just devoting the one sideboard slot to be safe. Yeah, and Nexus of Fate is an acceptable magic card that you can cast in some scenarios and be happy about it in this deck. So I, I don't mind that at all. Again, though, the thing here is the Cleansing Wildfire 
it seems like a real meaningful path forward for these Jeskai decks and uh, has improved the deck quite dramatically in my eyes. Definitely agree. Nahul 10, is it spells, uh, Stormwing Entity, Sprite Dragon, etc.? I don't know. I think these decks are fine. That's it. Just, That's be, all I got. just be mono red. Just be mono red. I, yeah. don't, I don't think you have to do this. Yep. Ermano MLG. Ooh, dude, this is actually nice. This is closer to your 60 card scape shift. Yo, yeah, 60 card scape shift. Four Uro, two Ren and Six, three Shark Typhoon. Shark Typhoon actually seems pretty good in scape shift. Yeah, I I think this is is how you clean up the list. If you are convinced that 60 is the way to go, tight little package here. And like you said, no trouble casting those lethal scape shifts. Strange to not see Field of the Dead in this deck. You usually still see one floating around. Do we have any in the sideboard? Not in the sideboard either. Yeah, I could see a field, but I don't know. Whatever. This this deck looks like fairly streamlined, pretty smart. I'm, I'm willing to trust the Ermano. Jerry T's stamp of approval has been given. Yeah, yeah. I like I like the, the look of this. That's all I got. Okay. Itoku won Bant Collected Company with <laughs> 24 creatures. No, next. I can't, I can't. Please, please, I can't even fathom playing this deck. I can't. Okay, so look, there's there's 22 lands. This yeah. is a, they have Soul Herder with Skyclave Apparition, right? Mm-hmm. And... I don't know, like a mini Stoneforge Mystic package. I feel like some of these lands could just be like Glasspool Mimics or Kazandu Mammoth. Just make it so you just hit something, some piece of cardboard. Please. Jerry, not only could they be, they have to be. <laughs> like I'm not casting Collected Company in this deck and just missing routinely. This just, person leads a blessed life because they are really, very confident in their ability to just go ahead and, and rip off the top. Just really had to get the Stoneforge Mystics in there to take up some like, you know, non-creature slots with Batter Skull and Sword of Fire and Ice. Had to get oh, to fairies Lord. and four Force of Negations in there. I don't know. It's I can't. this deck seems reasonable. Like collecting company into Skyclave Apparition is is pretty nice, right? But twenty four hits is not good enough, and a lot of these are just really underpowered. Yeah, if this works, it'll be rebuilt with a bunch of DFCs in it. I believe. Yeah, one two two Pablo. Leyline of Vitality. What does this do? Another combo deck, right? More of the uh, gain life, yes. conclave mentor type stuff. And uh, okay, how many ways are we going to try this same setup? And which is going to prove to be the best? Probably none of them. But why would Leyline of Vitality be the one you wanted to go for? Let's answer that puzzle. I guess there's a lot of mono red around. Sounds pretty good, right? No, this has got to be. This is a combo piece. Sure, sure. But I'm saying, like, why would you prefer this combo piece over other ways you could set up these combos? Because it costs zero, duh. If it's free, it's me. I have said that before. Yeah. I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll think about it. I probably won't think about it, but this is an option. And I I like seeing people experiment with stuff, so that's cool. Blue Plasma, Mono Red, 2 Eidolon. Oh, I already know what you're hissing about uh, over there. Well, especially if you're cutting an Eidolon for a Roiling Vortex, that's not no, allowed. Just, just better than Eidolon. Just a better magic card. That's not allowed, right? 
Uh, yeah, I've never played Burn and been like, I got to find some way to get these Eidolons out of my deck. What could I replace them with? And the answer would be Ro- Roiling Vortex. Three Searing Blaze, only four fetch. I don't like it. Tiamu. Ooh, three Reflecting Pool? Wow. So four Cascade Bluffs, three Reflecting Pool. I would hope that you would assume that this is a Kiki-Jiki deck. You would be correct. I, I mean, I guess, yeah, four Cascade Bluffs with like Archmage's Charm kind of makes sense. This is this is some wild deck building. This is Deceiver Exarch's uh, Kiki-Jiki. I almost said Splinter Twin. Not quite there. Uh, Remands, Archmage's Charms, like one Valakid Awakening. So like, you know, normal combo control stuff, but just like a wild mana base that I can appreciate. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, this deck has some pretty significant issues when it comes to casting all of the spells you want to cast successfully. And we've just kind of approached it the same way over and over and just been like, yeah, my mana's not very good. I live with it. But here's a way to maybe mitigate that. It's been a long time since I've seen a reflecting pool in play, but an important card in the past and seems mostly there on power level. Obviously, the tendency to play mana light games in modern has me a little skeptical. Like you have a deck with opt in a lot of spots where you just like want to play opt and then find your next land. Also, the fact that the pathways are a hard non-bow with something like Reflecting Pool, because you're only making one side of it. I, I have to believe that comes up from time to time. So a little concerned about how this mana base is put together, but I appreciate it as an effort to solve a problem, which is very real. Yeah, I mean, no fetch lands at all, too, which is kind of cool. So if you're worried about confounding Conundrum and always worried an Arbiter, yes, huge no, big, no big deal. I then probably would not put Magmatic Sinkhole in my deck. I think that maybe that's a stretch, but... Uh, you know, even if you're you're on a budget or whatever, this this sort of thing is doable. True. Uh, six smoo, twenty eight lands. Also a turn timber symbiosis. I don't know. Dryad Omnath Uro, Ren and six hour promise. This is like kind of more controlling, but no cryptic command. Like they're playing mana leak and grow spiral, but no cryptic. So recognizing that. Trying to cast Cryptic and all that other stuff is pretty difficult, but still wanting to play Mana Leak, I guess. This deck in some ways looks like a descendant of the ideas that you worked on for a long time with like the the blue-green big mana decks. And I, I think the idea of I really want Mana Leak doesn't work for me, but you could sell me on the idea of I really want Remand. Like I just need to hold the fort for a moment, keep velocity going through my deck, and then I will play this thing, which outscales everything you can possibly do. That tracks to me. And when you have this 28 land deck, you need to be filtering through your deck. And if I'm looking at the way this deck is built in this default configuration, that's my concern. I, I think you'll fizzle a lot and not generate the velocity you need to. But if those mana leaks were all remands, then you start selling me on it. Yeah, I would be much happier with remand in that spot too. And I'm not a big Remand fan. I I often move away from Remand. In fact, one of the first changes I made when I was tuning Jeskai was when I first saw the list, it was very often built as a Remand deck. And in that deck, you're not selling me on that. I I think the permanent removal is usually more important. Here, though, this seems like a hardcore Remand deck. Yeah. And I I agree with you. The Jeskai deck we looked at earlier also had Remands. Uh, I'm not sure like what the option... 
optimal counter suite is there, but I definitely agree with you that you're you you want to trade one for one. You know, yes. you you would just be fine mana leaking and continuing on like playing a Teferi and making sure that they're like out of gas once you play your Planeswalker. You know. Yeah, I, I guess this is a moment to lay out like the heuristic that I'm using is just if I have an end game that is like large and explosive and outscales everything you can do, then I will remand because all I have to do is get to that point and that's all that matters. If I have something that's a little bit more nickel and dimey, and it feels very weird to call Teferi and Jace nickel and dimey, but they are in the context of modern magic. They don't snowball quite as hard. And when that's the case, then I'm okay just one for one in you throughout the game. Yep. Volkswagen, Utopia Sprawl, Blood Moon, normal green-red stuff. It, it is funny to me that, I don't know, things like Bone Crusher Giant and Clothis are sort of powering these Gruul decks in modern, but it's cool. Uh, Clothis is a real magic card that is only starting to get its level of respect that it deserves, and I think we're going to see more of that card as time goes on. Agreed on both counts. Lord of Darkness 25, Green, White, Bogles. What can you say about green, white bogles? So slippery. So slippery. Antoine numbers. Abzan, collected company with 28 creatures. Not bad. Not bad. Still Uh, can't play it, but we're closer. Eladomri's Call, Ephemerate, Aether Vial, 17 land. That's how they got (laughs) the requisite amount of creatures in their deck is by just playing 10 lands. Yeah, uh... That's one way to do it. There's also a Magus of the Moon here, too, that you failed to mention when we discussed the uh, Abzan-ness of this deck. So uh, well, I've seen that. Yeah, down. okay. I guess there is a Sacred Foundry, but I, there's like Birds of Paradise and Aether Vial to, to cast it. So it's like not, I, I wasn't really counting it as a red card. Yeah, that's fine. I think the idea of Eladomri's Call plus some bullets that matter is cool. And we haven't really seen it all that much. You usually just see Eladomri's call combo pieces. This is a little bit fairer take on that archetype. Uh, you couldn't convince me that this mana base is something you can count on, though. 17, 17 lands, not enough. 28 creatures right on the fringe of being enough. So I, I can't play this collected company deck. It's not for me. Thank you. We're getting closer, though. Uh, we're never going to get close again. It's just... I, I can't do it. I actually did it last week a little bit. I played uh, Collected Company Gruel in Historic a it's little good. bit. And I will say, I put two creatures into play every time I cast Collected Company. So people are starting to learn. And all it took was putting Kazandu Mammoth and other double face cards into your deck. Right. But we're getting there. We're, we're starting to finally get to the point where I can successfully cast Collected Company. Caleb Yetman, uh, another four-color Omnath pile. Uh, Utopia Sprawl, Sahili, Teferi, Renin 6, Arboreal Grazer, Felidar Guardian. This one's only 60 cards, no Stoneforge right. Mystics, but pretty similar, you know? Yeah, I think basically the same deck, but a, a tighter package, 60 cards. So you have both options available to you now. If you think you need to do it with a tight package, you can do it this way. If you think you benefit from Urian, that list is out there as well. Spite of Space with some uh, Goblin Combo. Conspicuous Snoop, Bogart Harbinger, uh, Kiki Jiki on top, etc. I know that when I played this deck a decent amount, when it came out, I slowly, slowly, slowly cut like all the goblins for more like thought seizes and dark confidants. Mm-hmm. But this is just like full on goblins. I mean, I, I think there are metagames where 
that's fine. You know, like you think that munitions expert or like Mog War Marshal are good cards and that's reasonable. But overall, I was not super happy with this deck. People were really afraid of this deck when it first showed up, and it certainly hasn't materialized to the extent that people thought it would. I like this identity for goblins. I'm glad it exists in modern. I am too. It feels like this is a archetype that they fought to have be part of the metagame for a very long time now. And they finally found a way to successfully do so without, you know, warping things around the goblin experience. But this deck will have its moments and will continue to get better throughout time. That's the nice thing about being part of the goblin tribe is you always get more goblins. Megalov. 28 land, Primeval Titan, pretty normal, right? Uh, uh, things change. <laughs> Companion Garuda, Garuda main, Chalice, Von Wooly Acid Moss. I don't know what to make of this. Nobody does. And the, the one decision point that's fascinating to me is Companion Garuda, but only two Garuda in the main. It's like, you know, kind of worth casting, but not really worth casting. I don't know. It's a, a strange place to be. I, I guess I kind of get it. Like if you're ramping pretty reliably, you're okay with paying the extra cost, but really not all that much ramp here. There's Farseek, Explore, and then Wanvuli, Acid Moss. Karyatid, Gemstone Caverns too, though. Tribuilder. Okay. Gemstone yeah, Caverns is a big one. Yeah. yeah. The rare four Gemstone Caverns deck. I think I Love sold it. one of my Gemstone Caverns because I was like, look... Maybe there will be a point in time where I do, in fact, play Gemstone Caverns, but I'm never going to play four. This card is worth like $70, and (laughs) it's going to be reprinted at some point, so I just need to sell at least some number of Gemstone Caverns. Now what's going to happen when I'm dying to play this Skyruta deck in Modern, and I only have three Gemstone Caverns? Well, you'll only need three Garudas, too, so... Right. This is why you never sell anything and you just hoard magic cards. That's the only proper way to go about your business. I, you, Ripper. Ad nauseum. Cool. Go, Brian. This is your time. Nope. I've said everything I can say about this deck. I guess the only point I will make is that this also falls in with Storm, where if people are like doing very fair battlefield-based stuff, you can, again, ad nauseum people. And when you want to do that is when there is a lot of burn around. I don't know what the cues look like right now. If they're infested with burn, go for it. Ad nauseum away. Hitokiri, 1984. This deck makes me so happy, but I don't want to play it at all. This is just green, black, uh, Dark Confidant, Tarmogoyf, Tireless Tracker, Scavenging Ooze, Liliana of the Veil. Super, super fair. Modern has passed this deck by. Uh, Castle Lockthwain is super nice, and I would have loved it, but this is just not where you want to be. No, it's not. And I just had flashbacks to a tournament I played with this, basically this deck. Obviously, there's some new additions, but this was like an SCG in Syracuse right after I had started doing the podcast with you. So going back a few years now. And it was also the day after I had my shoulder surgery. Oh, yeah. And I went to this tournament and was basically delirious while i was playing and in just unbearable agony and made it like three or four rounds and i was just like okay that that's enough i can't do this anymore and my deck wasn't very good so it was kind of an easy decision but that is probably the last time i'll ever register this deck in a tournament and that was quite some time ago dr queller regular deck list 
poster <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, still playing Spellqueller. Good job. I wish I had the fortitude to like devote myself to an archetype like this. I name myself Dr. Queller and then just sit in the modern queues and grind out games with spirits all day long. Yeah, you just quell all the spells. No big deal. They, they know what they like and then they're doing it week after week. In Nevis? That's probably not sure. right. Uh, Gristle Brand, Allosaurus Rider, Turn Timber Symbiosis. Cool. This deck's still legal? It's still legal. I thought we were uh, safe from this when Matsugan finally won a tournament with it and we were going to get rid of nah. it forever. If anyone was paying attention, this deck would probably be gone just on principle, but still there. Has picked up some turn timber symbiosis. Probably doesn't matter all that much, but it is another card to pitch for your nourishing shoals. So nice little pickup there. I- I'm sure it comes up. Like You could certainly fizzle previously and well, anything that minimizes fizzle rate comes into yeah. play. Allosaurus is the big one, I think. You just get that to too. Yeah, good point. minimize flooding, basically. Uh, how much does that matter to in terms of like making the deck more reasonable than it previously was? It's it's maybe like a percent, you know? Okay. Flame Flame Dragons 2. Grixis Death Shadow with a Soul Guide Lantern main. Big pickup. I like that card. I applaud the decision. <laughs> it's a magic I don't card. Know if it's changed anything. Wait a second. Hold on. I do like this card, but is there no Lurus in the sideboard? Am I looking? Is that right? No, because it's got Street Wraith. And Gurmig. Oh, so now I hate this. I, I like Soul Guide Lantern when you can combine it with Lurus. It makes a lot of sense to me. It's just floating there randomly is very, very odd. Why Why wouldn't you play Nile Spellbomb? Fair question. I mean, do you you really think like maybe this like kills Uro and then draws a card? Is that the hope? Yeah, like draws a, draws a card like way later. Spellbomb seems better to me. I agree. I mean, Nile Spellbomb is probably one of my favorite cards of all time. So that's true. You put that in a lot of decks. I put I put it in the right amount of decks. All right. <laughs> okay. Intrepid ninety one. Uh, also one copy of Nexus of Fate. Zero lands. Uh, Balustrade Spy. Undercity Informer, I don't know, doing the Sword of the Meek, Salvage Titan stuff. How good is this deck? I, it seems really bad to me. Like, you're cold to just so many different things. Like, I, For a while, it seemed like people were actually picking up on Cleansing Wildfire, and I think this deck dump as a whole is pretty light on them as far as you know, people trying to combine them with Flagstones and even people like playing them in their sideboards. Uh, so it's like pretty weak to that card, but just any sort of like Thoughtseize, Counterspell, whatever. Like this deck is getting tuned a little bit. They have Thoughtseize's main deck now, but there's only so much that you can really do, you know? This is another deck that can put together some sample hands that are just mind-blowing. And I think that the idea here gets a lot of people excited. You're always going to want to do something odd like this. But from what I've seen out of this deck, I haven't been impressed. And like you said, it's the typical combo deck that folds to everything. Like it's just so vulnerable to so much stuff. So I agree that the idea of adding disruption makes a lot of sense. I think you have to be a Thoughtseize deck, but I don't know. I'd rather just make a better metagame call and figure out a more efficient way of comboing if that's where the format's at. You gotta love this next deck, Curry Vor. Oh, Eighty do. card Urian, straight blue white, and they mean it. 
Uh, Kitchen Finks, Restoration Angel, Skyclave Apparition, Vendillion Click, Wall of Omens, Three Urians Main, Spreading Seas. Deck is rounded up by like Teferi Time Raveler, Supreme Verdict, Cryptic Command, Force Negation, Path to Exile, all those in four ofs. Like this, this actually looks like a deck. The only way this deck could be better is if it had a Sun Titan. And then I would be in full flashback mode to oh like, my. I don't even know, 2014, maybe. It just reminds me of those decks so much. And I loved playing those decks. I begrudgingly gave them up, correctly so, uh, because they are not very good. And the only thing that has really changed here is Skyclave Apparition. And that's going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting before I believe in the 21 creature for Supreme Verdict 80 card deck. And I don't think it's going to. Nah, this deck is good. Kitchen Finks is not a real magic card these days. For Mysticate, though, to help cast that Kitchen Finks. Okay. You, you probably need it, but I, I don't want to be casting Kitchen Finks. It's basically a blue card at that point. The Hoppa. Almost. Jund, Death Shadow, uh, four Hex Drinker, so I'm kind of off it. Not a Hex Drinker fan, huh? No. Cool card. Just not... Yeah not playable like why why hex drinker over swift spear it's a fair question i don't have an answer for you I'm, I'm trying to come up with something i mean i guess you believe your games go longer and then in most instances i'd rather return hex drinker with loris than i would a swift spear but also i may not be in that scenario if i had just done my damage with swift spear earlier in the game i mean also you have like scourge in your deck too so actually getting the chip rather than just you know having it die to fatal push or lightning bolt or whatever before it gets to attack you know just i don't know yeah it's also hard for me to believe given how cheap everything in this deck is that you'll ever be happy about sinking mana into a hex drinker like that should be an absolute emergency plan and in general don't weaken your deck for the emergency plan like optimize it first and then if you can instill an emergency plan without sacrificing its core tenants that's fine but i feel like you're sacrificing here by playing hex drinker POC, green, black, infect, Luris in the board, nothing super spicy. I don't know. Yeah, pretty standard infect deck. Nothing to really say. Fast combo. It'll always make its way back if you give it space. Osman Osgunny. I'm pretty sure if you go through their history, they've only played Demir decks. I remember they played a bunch of, this is going back a long, long, long time. For some reason, I, I associate them with like Orzov decks. Ooh, you might be right. Maybe it's just, I think recently a lot of Demir, but yeah, maybe it is just like black mid-rangey decks. Anyway, this is this is a crab. So someone is still making it work. Uh, two Trap Maker Snare. It's kind of interesting. Just hard on the combo and then kind of looking for like what, you know, Gaze Blessing type of stuff they have. It's like Ravenous Trap, I guess. Yeah, uh, surgical extraction. I don't know. I mean, these decks are basically consenting to like, okay, you can have that one card and it's going to dramatically alter my win percentage. Like you beat it, don't get me wrong. And I think you often do. I am always only going to consider decks like this when the moment is right. And as soon as people are putting the one of guys blessing in the sideboard, the moment is no longer right. And I'm not interested. Oh man, we <laughs> we have some... Interesting hits coming up. So Shock Troopa playing Mono Blue Tron. All the classics out today. As they do. But then, so then I saw Nikachu, right? And not not playing Merfolk. A little vampire action. A tribal shift has occurred. This this should not be allowed. It does seem like we're 
uh, breaking from tradition quite dramatically. Or speaking of tribal lords from Modern Horizons, Cordial Vampire in the house. Yeah. Solid card. Uh, not really. <laughs> I don't know if any of this is all that solid. Solid. Nighthawk Scavenger in the mix. Uh, that card has done almost nothing in standard. Is that fair? Almost nothing? Uh, it was around for a little bit, but yeah. That mostly tracks. I think I called that one. I feel good about that call because people lost their mind over this card. And uh, it's really hard for power toughness stats to matter these days. And wow, another another deep cut. Selfie sec, the progenitor of Mardu Pyromancer is now playing Living End. I wonder how they went down that road. Obviously loves putting things in the graveyard, bringing them back. Mardu Pyromancer not getting it done anymore. Time for Living End. Serum underscore visions playing Jund. This is it's getting weird, man. It's just some big Jund, some some old school classic Jund. This deck uh, mostly from quite some time ago. Season Pyromancer, the newest card, right? Yeah, I, I was uh, mostly talking about someone with the screen name Serum Visions, <laughs> right? Jund. Going to Jund. Yeah, uh, I guess we have some sideboard cleansing wildfire. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I Bator, green, black. Uh, I like I like this one more. This is uh, three three copies of Luris main deck with Mishra's Bobble. Yeah, main but, deck Luris is dramatically underplayed. I stand on that firmly. People need to look at more main deck Luris decks. It is a strong, strong magic card, and you don't really have to mess up your deck if you don't want to to play Luris. Particularly here, uh, I, I think it's just a good pickup, but. I know these hex drinkers are going to have you completely off it. I was, that's what I was going to say. Yep. I don't blame you. Eric numbers. Uh, I like this deck. Sultai, self mill, Vengevine stuff. So Glimpse the Unthinkable, Hedron Crab, Merfolk Secret Keeper, uh, a couple Gourmet Anglers. You're milling into Silver Smote Ghouls and Prized Amalgams, a couple copies of Uro in there. Uh, I played this at one of the modern, I don't know, maybe it was like a 1K or something at, at Car Kingdom. It was a lot of fun, and this seems like some pretty reasonable upgrades. Yeah, what does this deck look like in spots where its graveyard plan gets blown up? It does seem like... Oh, it's the, bad. But it seems like it's gotten better. Like, the beatdown aspect is there, and I think, like, Silver Smoke Goal is, Silver Smoke Ghoul is part of that. I know a 3-1 for 3 shouldn't blow your mind, but just like reasonable creatures you can cast that will beat down when your opponent has hard mulligan to something like Leyline or, you know, whatever particular graveyard hate they may be packing, they make a big difference. And like 3-mana three 3-1 three can get the job done sometimes. Think about how many times you hardcast prized Amalgam and it was good, you know? It's it's not a lot. And it's, give, it's giving thin. me... But if you have enough prized Amalgams, maybe no. they start to matter. no. No. I guess the version I played had once upon a time, so it was it was slightly different, but uh, I think this one, like Uro Silver Smoke Ghoul, might be an upgrade. Okay. Giordano, Dredge, and not not like a fancy Dredge deck either. Just like kind of slow, loam, conflagrate. We get to so many decks where it's like, oh yeah, I forgot this was a modern deck. Right. Well, that's the nature of modern, and especially, I think, when there's nothing shaping the metagame, right? If there was a reason why people are like, oh, yeah, Dredge, if it won an SCG Open last week, we'd probably see a lot of Dredge going around. And it's really hard to shape narratives around this format in the op- absence of any tournament scene. 
Uh, Arcbound Ravager, Hardened Scales, as played by Hamuda. I got nothing. Inscription of Abundance. Okay. That's that's all I have. That's the extent of my biting insight on this Hardened Scales deck. It now plays Inscription of Abundance. I do like that card. I thought it was going to see play in standard. Hasn't. Kayan926. Tribal Zoo, man. Talking about flashbacks. Pick this up is, Scourge of the Skyclaves, though. Yeah, this is weird. So you have Step Links, right? You could be playing the new one. That seems easier to cast, right? Uh, Yes. I guess we're playing Helix and Path anyway, and we need to go five lands because we need Tribal Flames to be on. I don't know. I, I would have to think carefully about like how you fetch and sequencing. It's possible the new version of Step Links is better, but I'll give benefit of the doubt where just your general fetch patterns lead you to want Step Links as opposed to the other one. Well, okay, so here's the thing, right? Back in the day, it was stomping around Godless Shrine, which meant that if you go triple one drop, you can't have them all be red, you know? Because yes. if you have to fetch two red duels, then it messes up your tribal flames. So I guess it makes sense for one of them to be off color, but uh, I don't know. I mean, you, I think you could just change your your fetch habits because you still have like Wild McConnell is kind of an off color one. Yeah. Is it possible you're supposed to split? Could Maybe. that be correct? Yeah, it's entirely uh, possible. This is interesting. I, I used to actually love decks like this. I know that seems out of character, but my first exposure to like I guess, legacy extended formats. So we're going back to like 2007-ish when I started playing them seriously. I often played Zoo and spent a lot of time tuning Zoo and I've played all forms of it. So seeing Kurt 8 back in the mix does get me very excited. Scourge of the Skyclaves is an interesting upgrade to a strategy like this, but I'm not sure it in and of itself is enough. And the Snapcaster Mages, I just don't like. Straight up, I I don't like them. I, I don't mind them. I think you can find better ways to advance your plan. And it's so rare that you're pushing format. Although I'll say Ren and Six does change that a little bit. Well, Only see, one copy, though. <laughs> I, would, I would take issue with Ren and Six. Uh, here's another thing. Curdy versus Narnum Renegade. Narnum Renegade is the revolt thing? Yeah. Is that correct? And has Death Touch, 1-1, one, one, revolt. It gets a plus one, plus one counter? It's. Uh, I believe it's a 1-2. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and type that one up. It's been a minute since I cast Narnum Renegade. Yeah, G one two Death Touch Revolt plus one plus one counter. Yeah, but but again, like if if you're locked into playing Wild Nakato, the then yeah, maybe you don't want everything to be the same color. Uh, there's also Loam Lion too. Oh, true. Yeah, so we Which we can is... play we can play like Loam Lion and Akum Hellhound. You all sorts of ways to tune the deck. Yeah, so we've spent entirely too much time talking about this at this point. I can't believe that we've gone so far down the rabbit hole, but it does show that if this is an archetype you like, a lot of ideas to try out. I mean, they're all the same, but yes. Uh, a lot of redundant ideas to try out. My favorite kind of ideas. Yeah. Uh, Kaiser Khan, Mono Red, but Bowman Courier, Bone Crusher Giant. Uh, Season Pyromancer, the eight prowess one drops, Firebolt, Flame Slash, Light Up the Stage, Lightning Bolt, Blood Moon, 18 Mountain, two Blast Zone, Obosh. Obosh makes this all kind of make sense, but still not really. Uh, yeah, I was having a very hard time figuring out how we got here. It, it is Obosh who we have to thank for it, but no thanks. I'm good on that card. The five drop in my 20 land deck. Albert 62, traditional four color. Uro, Omnath, Feel the Dead Pile. Nothing really new. Hya. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, God. I don't even oh know what this Lord. is. Oh, Lord. FL, 
XEX. This is uh, Battle of Wits. They're in here somewhere. Right? There they are. I found them. Okay. Yeah, they're in there somewhere. Yeah, 238 cards in this deck, a deck only Magic Online could love. Have you ever played Battle of Wits in a IRL tournament? No. What kind of question is that? I only ask because it seems like something you could have had on one of your bucket lists at some point or something that you legitimately... I, I do believe if you ever thought Battle of Wits was the best deck, you would have gone through the pain of doing it at yes. some points in your career. Obviously, now you wouldn't even consider it just based on the hassle of it all. But at some point, you would have thought about it. If it was actually good, but it was never good. Uh, it has it has not ever been good, and it's probably not good here. But only one way to find out, hop on those Magic Online queues. You could go see our friends at Card Hoarder who is kind enough to uh, still sponsor us, although I I don't use it as often as I did just because I don't PTQ anymore. But whenever I do log on and play a little modern, they are there hooking me up with a nice account. So shout out to them if you need uh, any Magic cards on Magic Online. Be sure to check out Card Hoarder. To be fair, this is 250 cards. This is probably going to go above the cap. That is true. That is true. They are quite generous with the cap, but a lot of stuff here. Anyway. I didn't even know this was in here. I looked at like the first 10% of the decks. One one thing that was in the other deck dumps that I was hoping was going to be in here was Omnath into Time Warp, which is obviously in the Battle of Woods deck, but mm-hmm. is another way to build those Omnath pile decks that I think more people should probably be taking advantage of. Is it just for Time Warp or do they go harder on the Time Walk effects? No, it's just that because Omnath Fetch is clean Time Warp and then you just yep. kind of go ham. So yeah, it seems pretty good to me. Routro through the breach, Emrakul with some Solundi visions. Uh, I don't understand Omen of the Sea, but whatever. I don't know, just blue red control through the breach. It's fine. Again, Omen no fetches. Omen of the Sea is so weird. It's so weird. Although, look, you need a specific card with this deck. You you need Emrakul plus through the breach, and Omen of the Sea gets you way deeper than the other options. You can go four four cards deep. Now you spend a lot of mana to do it. But if you've played these red, blue breach decks before, you know you do find yourself in situations where you're just like sitting there begging to try and find whatever piece you're missing because you have controlled the game effectively. So I think I kind of buy it here. Okay. So this is fetchless. Uh, So there's like Temple of Epiphanies and Reflecting Pools and Cascade Bluffs and whatnot. Um, You can play Serum Visions instead, which I think typically makes sense. But the fact that it's like Cascade Bluffs, Temple of Epiphany, that makes it weird. And also I think that they want to just be strictly draw go. Yeah. So no, they the, definitely the want flash to play aspect speed. of it makes sense. Yeah. But I even all of that stuff, I would still play Serum Visions. Okay. <laughs> I understand the rationale. Maybe, maybe play some peaks instead. Yeah, whatever. A little peaksy. Hoke 47, Mono Red, some Ups. Not a ton to say. Deck looks the same as it has for a while. Still completely reasonable choice. VD Bool. Uh, 60 cards, scape shift. Not in the way that I want it built, though. I want a refund. Uh, this is Omnath in my scape shift deck with Omen of the Sea, but no Urian. I don't like it. Uh, yeah, I made a case for the last Omens of the Sea. I'm not going to make the same case here. I... I don't know. Like, I, I get it. I get that you want to get as deep as possible, but here's a deck that isn't trying to only play at instant speed, although there are a lot of instants here, but you certainly are tapping out on a bunch of your turns too. You have things like Teferi, so probably just should be playing a more traditional cantrip here. 
Vasoy numbers. Uh, Sultai Reclamation with only two Wilderness Reclamations. I will basically never understand that, but kind of is what it is. Yeah, I think it's just a control deck that benefits from Wilderness Reclamation, but doesn't rely on it. So they have hedged in that fashion. I think you can build better control decks. I think you can build better combo decks, and you end up somewhere in the middle with a reasonable but not great deck when you do it this way. Day blocks SC. Uh, blue eye control. Cool. Yeah, blue eye control. Shadow of doubt. That is a card I've put in way too many of my decks. I just go play Cleansing Wildfire. It's okay. It, yeah. It's not a mistake to play Jeskai for once. And yeah. This is Jeskai. It's yes. got Alpine Moons in the sideboard. Uh, well, there's six islands in one planes, you know? No lightning bolts or anything. Yeah. Show T. Mono Eldrazi. Just doing typical Eldrazi stuff. I, I mean, I guess like curves a little tighter here than I've seen in some other places. Doesn't go quite as high, but yeah, there's not much to report here. Back to Karn the Great Creator. That's pretty standard. Three Maze Mind Tome, Jerry's favorite card. Not enough to get him to play Eldrazi Tron, though. Nah. CCM 777. This deck is weird. Uh, Flameblade Adepts, Flamewake Phoenix, Hollow One, but also Magmatic Channeler, Tarmogoyf, Is It Charm, Stubborn Denial, Traverse. Weird. It's it's very strange that the best we could do to like empower our beatdown plan was going back to Tarmogoyf. Now that's what we always used to do back in the day. Like that's that's how we made all these decks work. So we're like, oh, I splash for Tarmogoyf. It's the best card in Magic the Gathering, probably at some points. Presently. It's surprising. It's a surprising take. And obviously, like, we have Traverse, so it's not the only green card here, but it does feel more like a splash than an actual featured color. Uh, and I didn't think we'd get back to the place where we were splashing Tarmogoyf again. Yeah, me either. This is a weird take. I mean, the Hollow Ones also seem, like, pretty slow in this deck. There's no, like, Street Wraith or anything like that. So I am confused. Here's my theory. People really miss Faithless Looting, and you should just give it back to them. Let's just give back all those cards that were foundational parts of modern that we thought were breaking the game, but it was actually the really broken cards that were breaking the game. Give them all back. Turn those cards back on again. Mox Opal's coming back. Faithless Looting is coming back. What else do we have? Is there another one I'm missing? That's probably it. Those are the only two cards I really want to come back. I'm sure there are plenty, to be honest. What about Cloudpost? Uh, sure. If you want a Cloudpost, you can have it. I mean, I don't really want it, but like... It's not that bad. There's wildfire no, it's, now. It, right. It's hard to believe that that would be damning on the format that has just absorbed Tron throughout its entire history and like has learned to live with it. I don't know that Cloudpost is any more astray than that card is. So. A screen name that is nonsense. Uh, green, white, taxes. I think we've talked plenty about this sort of stuff. This one's more normal. And then finally... Phoenix 77, Rakdos Pile, this one, Megas of the Moon instead of Skelemental, showing a little bit of restraint. Yeah, good discipline here, only playing Magus of the Moon and Croxa. Um, Croxa hasn't gotten there yet in Modern, which is, is weird. I certainly thought it would be a player in the format. I guess there's still time for it to take its place, but uh, yeah, it just hasn't impressed thus far, and things like this... I don't think this is what's going to push it over the finish line. 
No, I actually think trying to make a push with like Magus of the Moon Pillage, it's like, okay, this is how I'm going to win the game against a lot of people. That, that makes sense for Rakdos, but then Croxa is like, okay, you're locked under my land destruction. Now I'm going to go after your hand. It's just classic, yeah. classic Rakdos trap. Yeah, I also have a hard time believing that you're supposed to be pillaging over Cleansing Wildfire, which is like an actual good modern card and allows you to continue advancing your plan. In well, fact, one of the selling points of that card was like, well, it lets Jund answer these problematic things, but still keep up its card density, which it relies on. No, but but Pillage goes after the basics, so you can Magus them. Oh and Cleansing God. Wildfire gives them the basic. Uh, just just do one or the other. I don't think Magus of the Moon plus Pillage is the way you want to go. Like Play your cards to answer it or be like, I'm a Magus of the Moon deck. I'll be fine. Yo, that's what those Gruul decks were doing for a long time. They are playing Magus and Pillage. Yeah, but those decks were like bad and yeah. not impressive. And yeah, yeah, but they have a plan. Again, like all of this stuff is we just repeat the same mistakes over and over in modern. And these decks, which have never, ever justified their existence, continue to just perpetrate their horrible, horrible abuse of the modern players and force them to throw tickets away hoping and chasing a dream that someday this deck will actually be viable. What are you but talking nothing about? Has they got changed. a 5-0. They're swimming in treasure chests. Oh, Lord. Nothing has changed. It's the same situation we were in back then where like the deck gets to play second fiddle and has a moment and can be a good metagame call, but you're so incentivized in modern to just like find the good proactive strategy and stick with it and master it. And so go play. After doing this deck dump, I am more firmly committed to my idea that I'm going to go play either... Uh, Red Black Shadow or Jeskai and everything else is like kind of nonsense. There's a case, good case for Uro Omnath decks as well. I just don't know how to build them. So that's not what I'm going to play. But I, I think those three decks, you can't really go wrong. And all the other stuff, you're just trying to make a read that's really almost impossible to make right now. Pillage is not a playable modern card. Accurate. But they have a plan. I respect the fact that they have a plan. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I would rather you're, have you're them, in a generous mood today. I think I would. Uh, I'm definitely not. I would rather have them skeletal <laughs> people than pillage them. Yeah, right there with you. But I, I, I get it. Have a story I get it. Tell. Yeah, about you know how your opponent had no resources except for the three creatures that were in play killing you. Right. Or like the Thalia that first strikes down your skeletal or whatever. <laughs> a lot of ways that card goes wrong. Turns out. Yes, yeah, it's. it's it's kind of cool in theory, you know, but not so great in practice. Right. No question this week, because we didn't ask, and just uh, I couldn't I couldn't devote the energy, honestly. Yeah, this was a, a tough week to muster up the usual recording process. Uh, both of us pretty high stress levels, given the state of the world and state of our lives. So we wanted to come with something a little bit more low key. Just spend some time together, appreciate each other's company talk a little magic and uh, I hope this episode still hit for everyone. That's game. Good luck.